Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very Delta edition of Nobody Told Me That. What happened uh, in the last week or so was the news dropped of a whole slew of antitrust suits against Delta. So they were filed. um, They were independent suits, about 11 of them, and they were filed independently against Delta Dental alleging um, antitrust issues. And <clears throat> this was pretty big news. Um, hat tip, big, big hat tip to Dr. Mike Davis, who wrote up a really good um, summary of them and included a whole bunch of links to the different suits. You do need access on, on most of them to be able to read um, the, you know, the details of it. However, there was one that he linked that uh, detailed the whole, the whole, I guess, the full filing um, on behalf of Kaufman and Kaufman against Delta Dental. And we're going to go over that in a minute. So let me just lay this out because what's, what's going to happen is I'm going to, in the show notes, um, so if you're listening to this on Libsyn, the show notes will be linked right there. Your podcast player should have a space for show notes, so you're going to want to go there. If for some reason it's not showing up on your podcast player, then you'll want to go over to um, my website, uh, either Odyssey Management, odysseymgmt.com and link over to my podcast or go to nobody told me that dot libsyn l-i-b-s-y-n um, and dot com and and there'll be all of the show notes there so what's in the show notes well i'm going to link uh directly to dr davis's article um i think that was pretty well done and again i, I sent him a, a note too because i just was really impressed with how much work he put into it and i'll also um, upload uh, a pdf of the lawsuit that was filed by Kaufman and Kaufman, and it's going to have some markups on it. And what it's going to be is, is you'll see some blue highlighting, and that's going to be the main allegations of the suit. The green is is going to be, you're going to see green underlining, and what that means is, had Delta not taken these actions, this would have happened, or it's stuff, or it's actions that they um, expect to happen when their behavior has changed. So it's, it's what would happen or what could have happened had uh, Delta not acted in the manner that they were alleged to have acted in. And then you're going to have the green, um, I'm sorry, the, the regular highlights, the yellow highlights, you know, just like back in college, um, the yellow highlights, and those are going to show the discussion points that we're going to go over. So how I'm going to do this is I'm, I have the, uh, the lawsuit up in front of me and I'm just going to go through it. And I know it's, it's a long lawsuit. It's like 61 pages, but it's not, uh, we'll fly through a whole bunch of that. Believe me, I don't want to be talking about this for a full hour and a half, two hours or whatever. Um, what I want to do is break it down as best as I can for you so that you have an idea of what's going on out there. Because from what I'm reading, it does look like it's going to shake things up a little bit. And uh, if anything, it's going to bring, I think, a lot more attention to the positions that Delta Dental dentists find themselves in. And um, I I always have to make the disclaimer, I am not a lawyer. I am absolutely not a lawyer. Um, I'm just giving you my interpretation of the lawsuit. And again, if if you just realize that I'm not a lawyer and I'm going to give you an interpretation of a lawsuit and you're thinking, how could she? I understand. I, I totally get that. Um, I've read a lot of these suits. I've read a lot of contracts. I keep up on this kind of stuff. So hopefully I can be your guide through this particular lawsuit. And uh, then what I'm hoping that you'll get from my conversation today is, has this happened to you? Do you think this is right? And what can I do to protect my practice if I sense 
that allegations like these are coming down the pike from either another carrier or maybe you find yourself in the same situation as with Delta. The other groundwork that I want to lay is I'm going to try my best to say allegedly this whole time because I want you to remember nothing has been proven. This is just the filing of a lawsuit. So um, I'm going to try to remember to say allegedly all through this, but I just want to make a blanket statement that um, I am not putting forth that Delta is guilty of any um, of these alleged actions. I, I just want to make that clear. I am not a lawyer and I am not trying to get sued for anything. Um, and if you listen to my Smile Direct Club um, episode, you know that I just kept saying that over and over again. Please don't sue me. I'm really trying hard not to get sued, right? Um, and then the the last thing uh, is that in the show notes, I will um, also have uh, an Excel spreadsheet. Actually, I'll put it into a PDF of the percentage, the, the market penetration that this suit is alleging that Delta Dental has. And and it's pretty, um, I knew it was bad. I knew there was a lot of, uh, I knew there was high penetration in many, many areas. I just really didn't see that it was quite so bad in certain states. And, um, and when I say bad, I mean high. I, I shouldn't say bad. I should just say really high. And uh, that in itself is one of the, the tenets of the lawsuit is that it restricts um, competition because they really are the only game in town. And it's, it's just a very, very interesting time that we find ourselves in because for years we have, as on the provider side, the providers have been asked to not violate antitrust laws by not discussing fees and not sharing fee schedules when we go to credential. Um, and another point of, uh, of conversation here is that, especially if you're a new listener to me, um, one of the, the things that really bothers me on some of these Facebook groups is that you will find people saying, well, how much do you charge for this and how much do you charge for that? And although they're well-intentioned, um, what they don't realize is that they are actually violating antitrust laws by discussing um, fees with your um, with other people on these forums. So be careful with sharing um, office fees. And, you know, it's really not hard for me to click on Sally Smith's name and see that she works for Sally Smith or, you know, Sheila Smith DDS and track it back from there. So um, just be real careful. I know for a fact that there are carriers in many of these Facebook groups. Um, They're very aware of the conversation that's going on around them. And that's just really good business, right? To figure out what's going on and what's being said out there. Okay, so let's let's go in there. And if you go to the show notes and download a copy of the PDF, then you'll have all of the highlighting that I have and and you'll be able to follow along. And, and remember, I'm not going to make this a very, very long, long podcast because by the end of reading all this and doing all my research, um, my eyes were crossing. And so I, I'm going to try to avoid that from happening with you. So the, the lawsuit... <clears throat> Without going through each bullet point, there's really three um, three tenets to the lawsuit. Really, three three big issues with the lawsuit, and then there's going to be some other um, facts that they put forth. So, um, and this is Co- I, I apologize, I said the name wrong. It's Kaufman and Kaufman Smile Design. So I apologize uh, to doctors Kaufman and Kaufman. I should have gotten that correct. So uh, Kaufman and Kaufman, I'm just going to call them that from now on, um, has uh, alleged that there is a market conspiracy, market allocation conspiracy, 
And there is also a price fixing conspiracy, which we'll go through, and then revenue restriction conspiracy. So those are the three conspiracies that they have alleged in this case that Delta Dental as a whole has engaged on this. Now, I want to back up a little bit because um, this is just basic information. Some of you know this, I'm sure, but some of you who are new to dentistry, you may not realize this. There's Delta Dental, which is the big one okay so that's the national delta dental and it's delta dental um delta dental plans and and what will what you'll see is that every state has its own delta or most states have their own delta i believe it's like 39 states um and then there's also um multi-state areas um, like you're probably aware New Jersey Connecticut and um, I want to say Louisiana and Georgia but that may not be absolutely correct um, so and you, you'll see that they have combined a little bit on that you'll see Illinois and um, you know Ohio and all of that they're all kind of bunched together and what you'll uh, what you'll see is that in most of those states there is a presence of a delta of that state and then all of that rolls up underneath the Delta Dental um, plans, the national plan. And so the national branch, if you want to think of it as the ultimate umbrella plan, the national branch, um, they allege in this suit that the national branch provides all sorts of support and marketing to the different states. And by doing so, it, it really is uh, producing what they're saying is that it's producing a uniform product so even the uh, many of the contracts look the same and not all of them but many of them look the same uh, they help them with marketing they give them all sorts of support also some of them share financial um, institutions you know they share banking um, services and I mean that makes sense only I'm not gonna nobody's judging for that because honestly that's just smart business if you're able to get better pricing for many within your company why would you not do that so uh, there, there's a lot there's a lot in uh, place there so um, they're also the lawsuit points out <clears throat> that it is the Delta Dental state insurers um, operate as not-for-profit services um, not-for-profit corporations and also you know the the big Delta so Delta Dental Plans Association works as a not-for-profit and the states work for not-for-profit and why that's important is that the suit alleges that there are um, there's a, a surplus of, of cash basically so I mean I don't think any of us are surprised carriers make a lot of money medical and dental carriers make a lot of money um, the suit alleges that rather than um, raise fees or a, you know give that back in the form of bonuses you know there are some carriers out there that do when they have more cash they're either mandated to or they decide to pass that on to their uh, providers and Delta does not do that according to this suit well <clears throat> it also um, alleges that by not um, by by not by actually by making that much money and holding on to that much money that they're really operating on a for-profit um, uh, I guess platform and then they get into CEO compensation which really it, it was pretty eye-opening and we'll get to that in a little bit so um, I am on page two here I'm sorry page four 
actually, hold on a second. It is marked page two, but it is page four, according to me. So, so let's, I'll make sure that I, I delineate that as we go, go through here. At the bottom of uh, marked page two, um, it does say here, this is the facts here, defendants are now the largest providers of insurance for dental services in the U.S. and have approximately 200,000 dental locations across the U.S. Now that's pretty substantial, very interesting to read. And again, you know, I'm in this day in, day out, even though I sort of know these things and they are, of course, make a lot of sense to, the, to me when they're told to me, to see it on paper really brings it home uh, just what kind of um, situation that these dentists find themselves in. So <clears throat> then you'll see on a marked page, three um, printed page five that uh, you at the top of it there you'll see that I, I highlighted um, a paragraph or, or part of a paragraph it says the Delta Dental state insurers have each secured monopsony and actually that's it's misspelled in this in this um, in the document it's actually monopsony and uh, have secured monopsony control within their assigned territories and defendants as a group have secured monopsony control over the market for dental insurance across the U.S. And so I need to stop now and explain to you what the heck a monopsony is. Um, <clears throat> so you probably are thinking maybe they misspelled monopoly. Well, very easy mistake to make, right? So um, monopsony is when companies come together and force pricing downwards. That's the best I guess that's the best way I can describe it. So in your mind, if you think about monopoly, when companies come together and form a monopoly, what that means is they are, are making a concerted effort to raise the prices. So you'll hear all about, you know, in the event of a storm, gas stations across, you know, street from each other will agree to raise prices because they can. That is a, that would be construed as a very small example of a monopoly and price fixing, basically. So, so basically, so when you go to, look at a monopoly it is meant to raise the prices to the detriment of the consumer and in this situation monopsony forces market pricing downwards and the forcing downwards happens on the uh the reimbursement side that that's really where um that's really where the 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 squeeze is happening and again i don't think i need to tell you all anything because uh, I hear that all the time from you. Uh, so when you get to this page and you see absinthe monopsony powers and all that kind of stuff, don't freak out. Basically, uh, monopsony is what this suit is alleging uh, that Delta Dental is doing. So don't don't get hung up on those words. So and I, I underline in green here, this is an expected action or what would happen if this lawsuit or I'm sorry, if Delta didn't allegedly act in this manner. Absent the monopsony powers and territorial protections secured to defendants by the conspiracy of, of market allocation, um, sponsors and members would have greater choice as to the dental insurance they choose to purchase, and Delta providers would have greater choice in the Delta they, insurance they choose to accept from their patients. So breaking that down, if Delta wasn't the big dog in the state, then this suit alleges that there would be more competition for members to purchase plans from. So there would be more, more insurance carriers in the state that could offer dental plans, and then that would bring about competition. Theoretically, 
provider fees wouldn't be squeezed because we're trying to attack, I'm sorry, not attack. <laughs> we're trying to attract dental providers to the network. And so the, the best way to do that is not to squeeze the fees. So you would raise fees a little bit. There'd be competition there. There would be more competitive premiums, um, and which would be good for the member and the employees. So uh, members, I'm sorry, members and employers is what I meant to say. And so that that's the part that I wanted to make sure that you understood when I was um, underlining that on uh, marked page three and uh, the full page number five. So I'm going to move now to the next page and let's see here. Okay, so uh, the top of the next page, which is uh, number six here, um, the revenue restriction conspiracy takes the form of the defendants agreeing via the Delta Dental Plan Agreement, the overarching agreement, that the Delta state insurers will limit the amount of revenue they derive from dental insurance sold other than the Delta Dental brand, or they will derive from administering Delta Dental plans. So breaking that down, what that means, and again, this conspiracy here is the revenue restriction conspiracy. Breaking that down, what that means is these these Delta Dental companies in each state could, were it not for this agreement, could offer other competitive dental insurance uh, packages. And in fact, the suit alleges that they are actually in a really good spot to offer additional packaging because they have the provider networks in place. They have the paperwork in place. They have the pricing in place. They've done all the research and all of that. So honestly, Delta Dental of, say, um, Colorado, not to pick on Colorado, but Delta Dental of Colorado could really offer more dental plans than just a Delta product. But according to this suit, <clears throat> the Delta overarching agreement with the state Deltas keeps them from doing that. So some of you are thinking, well, wait a second, I do see some products from Delta, the Delta signs, the Delta sells. Well, what you may not realize is some of those products are actually Delta whole um, owned subsidiaries. Delta of that state, for example, my old subsidiary that's called something else. Dentegra is a good example of that. Its holding company is a Delta um, state. And I believe that that is in Oregon. It's either Oregon or Washington state. I can't remember which one. Um, so they are actually a, um, a Delta provider. And you know what? I, I want to walk that back a little bit because I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And I just don't want to mess that up. So about the Dentegra, I mean, okay. So, and I'll, I'll look that up and put that in the show notes because now that's bugging me that I can't remember which state that is. Okay. So going on down here, um, it also, it, it points out that they don't compete. They don't compete with each other. So Delta of, I mean, let's think about it this way there. You have Delta of Virginia where I am, and then you have Maryland, and then you have, of course, DC, you got Delta of North Carolina. My, our, our bordering states, if you look at it, Delta of North Carolina does not attempt to sell in Delta of Virginia and vice versa. And this suit, uh, the, the people that, that filed this suit, they looked at the numbers and found that it was almost nothing that um, of income that derived from non-Delta uh packages, so non-Delta plans. So really, Delta Dentals of those states are not selling any other plans, and they're alleging that that's because there's an agreement to not sell across uh, state lines. And theoretically, if you sold across state lines, 
you would have more competition. So say maybe Delta of Virginia could offer a more competitive uh, benefit to the Delta, the North Carolina patients. Uh, there's they're alleging that there's an agreement that that does not happen. And so that's been pretty interesting to see. Um, in the green on the bottom of, of actual page four, uh, printed page six, um, I underline in green again what could happen if this were uh, not in place or this were to be changed. And so uh, let me just read this to you because I realize many of you don't have it in front of you. Absent the restraints on competition for non-Delta branded insurance business imposed by the revenue restriction conspiracy, that's the conspiracy, revenue restriction conspiracy, Delta sponsors and members would again have greater choice in the dental insurance they chose to purchase. And the Delta dental providers would have greater choice in the insurance they choose to accept from the patients. And then absent the restraint on competition for administration of Delta branded business, companies seeking to have their insurance plans administered by third parties would have greater choice amongst or among available administrators. So say a company was looking to do business in both Delta, or I'm sorry, both Virginia and North Carolina. Well, um, based on where their home office is, if it's right on the border and they're in Virginia, um, they could not seek packages from Delta of North Carolina if, as, if it's as this suit alleges. And so that, that keeps the con- competition from coming in and making the numbers more competitive. And so that's what this suit is alleging. Um, so, and then if you go to the, the bullet point number seven here that I've got, and again, that's on actual page five, um, the decreased competition has harmed Delta Dental providers in the form of reduced choice in insurance plans they accept from their patients and lower reimbursement rates paid to them under those plans. They've also harmed the members and the sponsors, that's the employers, in the form of higher premiums paid to Delta in a non-competitive market. And this is where I get held up here. And through lower quality services offered to patients by the Delta dental providers that have been starved of reimbursement revenue by defendants, artificially low prices. So let's just stop right there. Okay, so I could, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that as this case moves forward, there's other um, information that will come out. There has to be more communication. There's, it's hard. I can't believe that they would file um, this many suits in a suit like this alleging so many things without backup documentation. So it may come out that this is actually the case in many of these issues. Maybe not. The one thing that I think is very, very hard for them to prove um, is that patients suffered lower quality services um, by being Delta Dental providers. Now, um, I, I, I know what's going through your head, and, and I, I appreciate um, Dr. Sam reached out to me, and we had a pretty decent conversation about this. And, and he, you know, basically, and, I, and Dr. Sam, I love talking to you. Um, but he, what he basically said to me was, um, well, we can't admit that we do lower, lower, um, lower quality services, but what if we had to? I mean, what if we felt like we had no choice? And I said, well, that's the crux of the, the suit. But however, how many dentists are going to come on board and say, look, I gave them a lower quality service. Um, I think that that is opening up a dentist to liability if they were to say that. I think if you're a lawyer and you're representing that particular dentist, not the lawsuit, but that particular dentist who's coming forward and saying, yes, I provided lower quality care. If I'm that lawyer, I I would want to say to them, why are you even saying this? Let's not say this because this just opens up a can of worms for you. It may help the suit, but 
really hurts you. So I think that's going to be really hard um, to prove. And I want to talk a little bit more about that in, a, in, in just uh, as we go further down. Um, and, and in addition to Dr. Sam, I want to thank um, many of you. I had, I, I want to say, I, I, no exaggeration, about 75, maybe 100, I don't know, about 75 emails from people saying, okay, what's the deal? What's this? Um, Teresa, I read this and I have no idea what I'm looking at. Can you tell me what I, what I need to be worried about? And pretty much for, after trying to explain that I would get back to them, I started just answering with, I'm going to have a podcast about this. I'm going to have a podcast about this because, um, the questions still keep coming in and I, I appreciate that you're coming to me to be that source for you. And I hope that I haven't let you down with this when you listen to the end of this. This is very dense material. Please feel free to go back and listen to it again. Share it with your administrator. Share it with your other doctors. Um, please share the knowledge on this because this could definitely impact you whether or not you're in or out of network. And we can talk about that towards the end. Um, okay, so my, my one concern here really is the quality of care here. I think the rest of it, there's a big case to be made. Um, I don't, you know, and I'm not coming down on either side, you know, different, there's different marketplaces. I can't say that this is how it is across the country, because as we know, there are different marketplaces in different states. I'm going to stay agnostic on this, but I will come out and say that the lower quality thing, uh, piece of it gives me pause. And I'm, I'm really curious to see, um, how they're going to do that. And then one of the, uh, one of the summaries here before they um, go on to identify the parties is that Delta Dental's dominance in this market, this is what they're alleging, the dominance in the market gives it monopsonist control of the rates of reimbursements paid to the Delta Dental providers. So again, going back to the, the concept of monopsony, it is when companies come together to conspire to keep prices low um, keep the, so the price of the supply low. And in this situation, the supply is services, dental services, and that would be coming from the dental provider. Okay, so as I said before, the parties on here, uh, Kaufman and Kaufman Smile Design Studio, um, they are in Illinois. This is actually where the uh, case was filed, and uh, it is going to be very interesting to see how that goes. The next couple pages are really just noting that through the class period um, that was uh, that stated in the um, in the suit that the, the there is certain market penetration levels that we'll have and I'll just give you some examples but I'm also going to have a chart for you because reading through this was not the easiest thing in the world. Um, it is uh, very interesting to note however that m many of the states were over 50 percent um, Delta controlled 50% of the market at least in most of the states. You did have some states here and there. Um, Alaska, for example, was only 27% of the state. Um, and that was really interesting for me to see because I, I just kind of assumed there was a smaller population there, but I'm, I have heard that there's a lot of union plans up there. So um, I thought that was very interesting as well. Arizona was about 55% of the market, which surprised me. I always felt like Arizona was a lot more than that um, with Delta. Delta of Delaware, 78%, um, which is uh, 
pretty amazing. And one thing to be said is that this is, uh, I think it goes up to 2017. I'll double check that. And in, if that's the case, it's only increased since then. I mean, Delta has really grown. And, and as we know, I mean, when I go in my class, in my insurance classes, I always say, what's the biggest insurer? And it's uh, almost, I mean, almost always Delta. And and no wonder, I mean, I have not, not lectured on insurance in Hawaii, but Hawaii is 98% of the market. Uh, Delta has 98% of the market down there. Um, Illinois, which is about half of the market, which is really amazing to me because if you've done any work with Delta of Illinois, especially dealing with the Illinois state um, dental plan, the state employees dental plan, then you know it's a big pain in the butt. Um, they're not paying on time. I think they're back to 180 days that they'll pay you and you're basically left holding on to that. Um, it seems to me that they would control more of the market, but it's only about 54%. I was surprised about that. And you look at a state like Delta Dental of Kansas, like out of left field, I didn't realize this, 90% of their market is Delta Dental. And I am always up in Massachusetts uh, for various reasons, and that's about 52%. Um, interestingly enough, Delta of Massachusetts, um, they, their board, uh, the, the dental board, has had a lot of talks with Delta lately because of the arrangements that they have now to reduce their fee schedule. Um, and, and basically that's a whole different uh, story. But what's happening is Delta is basically saying, this is how much we're going to reduce your fee schedule. The, the Delta Dental, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry I keep saying this. The Massachusetts Dental Society came back and said, look, is there anything we could do about this? Because really they had no choice. There was it was going to move forward. And so they ended up agreeing to a cut of about 8% of the fee schedule. So an 8% reduction of the fee schedule. And what was really, really sad is, um, you know, that a lot of the Delta dentists, I'm sorry, Massachusetts dentists that, um, op, that are practicing, you know, I, I'm at Yankee almost every year. They're very angry about this. Um, but what I, I find sad is that they don't realize that had de the Massachusetts Dental Society not intervened, it was going to happen anyways, and it would have been much worse. So I really think in this case, it doesn't seem like organized dentistry was very helpful, but it certainly was, um, because I think it would have been worse. And the reason Delta Massachusetts would have been able to reduce that by so much is because they have, allegedly, they have what it seems to me as a monopsony in that state. So if you don't have market share, think of it this way, if you don't have market share in a state, how can you make a big sweeping decision like that and know that it's not going to be pushed back at or, or the pushback won't be very much of anything? So you only do that when you're in a position of um, true power and leverage. And so um, that's that's basically what it's saying. And I was really surprised there was another one in here. Oh, Missouri is about 76% of the market. Nebraska, 88% of the market. The Midwest is something else out there. Um, Delta of Nevada is 18.5% of the market for Nevada. I was stunned. I, I always feels to me like when, when I go to Nevada to lecture, um, it always feels to me like it's a higher percentage, but I guess not. So um, kudos to Nevada for, for keeping it uh, pretty pretty sane down there. Um, the, the Northeast has definitely been hit more on this, not just Massachusetts, but you've got Northeast Delta Dental, which is, is con it actually holds Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont. And they, um, they are up in the 90s for all of their, um, all of their numbers. 
except for the uh, the state of Vermont, which is a big fat 100% market share in the state of Vermont. Very, very, um, I don't want to say it's surprising because it's really not surprising. I had heard lots and lots of stories, but to see it put out so much, um, to see it in print that it says 100% was, was pretty startling. Okay, and then looking down at Utah, uh, which is actually where um, a lot of DSOs are moving to and a lot of corporations because there's just a lot of land to build out there. Um, right now, the market share for Delta, uh, according to this document, is about 28%. So it's probably gone up just a little bit since then. And then, um, and their holding company is Delta of um, Georgia. And same thing with Texas. They, they're, you know, they have the holding company of Georgia. And I, I was trying to remember who worked with Georgia, and I just could not um, get that straight. So I apologize for that. And it's, you'll see it in the document as well. Um, Virginia, where I am, is about 78% of the market. And that does not surprise me one bit. 78% um, of Delta, I'm sorry, 78% of Washington State, which shouldn't surprise anybody because Washington State dentists have been uh, extremely loud about their opposition to Delta. And Washington um, State Dental Association has uh, been supportive, but, but also uh, trying not to engage in antitrust by being uh, too supportive of the Washington Dentals, um, Washington uh, Dentists Society. Let me think here. There is a concerned concerned dentists of Washington State. I think it is. I'll have to find. I'll link it to. There's a there's a whole Facebook page that I um, that I follow. It's the concerned um, dentists of Washington State, I believe, and uh, they are pretty active in um, pushing forward Washington State's uh, rights and positions and and uh, trying to do better for for Washington State there. Um, Wyoming, 83%, uh, I'm sorry, 84%. It is, it's pretty interesting uh, to see just the percentages. And like I said, I'll have a chart for you uh, so that you can look at it as well because I, I did find it to be interesting. Um, if you look at page 16, uh, uh, printed page 16, um, actual page 18, then you'll see uh, that there is a section on interstate commerce, which um, I, I let's talk about this for a second because I kind of touched on it with the example of Virginia and North Carolina. Um, defendants' activities, it's alleged, defendants' activities as set out in this complaint have substantially affected and are within the flow of interstate trade and commerce. And so um, what that means is that many of the providers provide services to patients who are out of state and now what we have seen is that um, we in speaking from a dental office point of view here when we're dental providers say I'm back in the office and I'm, I'm talking to a patient well they come to me with Delta of Illinois um, they live in Illinois they're here out of the you know they're vacationing for some reason they came to Washington DC I hear we have a lot of monuments you know they came out here they had some work done they are Delta patients so we are in network so we showed for them um, because of the contract we you know we collect the co-payment amount but we are left holding the bag for the rest of it what happens if something goes wrong with that claim we're not able to um, collect from that patient because they went back to Illinois and poof they're gone so um, they claim in this lawsuit that that is uh, an unfair um, ask for providers to do that so and it also um, goes into the fact that uh, these these um, plaintiffs meaning the Delta Dental plans um, use services across 
interstate, meaning that they use, like I was saying earlier, they use the same banking services, they use the same marketing services, and they cross interstate lines. And so it is not, um, so although this, the, the delta of the states only sells in that area, uh, in that state, it, it is part of a nationwide effort. And that's really uh, what they keep coming back to in this suit. And so it also, um, on that same page, it will give you, I'm sorry, uh, uh, marked page 17 and actual page 19. Um, there's a factual background on Delta Dental, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I, I mean, I've read this a gazillion times. I know this, but I think there's a lot of people that are new to dentistry and don't realize just how Delta Dental uh, came about. And, and of course, you may have heard that uh, it was created by dentists for dentists. And yes, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, this history in here uh, kind of takes it through the t twists and turns and uh, makes it, uh, I think, m brings it up to the current times where uh, it's it's sort of a different company than what it was before. Um, it is it is definitely doing business or operating as a not-for-profit organization, and this filing actually shows pretty decent evidence, in my opinion, again, not a lawyer, that, uh, that there there is... Uh, I don't want to say shenanigans. That's kind of a rough word, right? But it just it it does help the case because being um, not for profit, you know, there's there's certain benchmarks for not for profit companies, and and you can find those in in different industries, um, and and they they blow past all of those benchmarks according to this this plan or according to this suit. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, I, I I urge you to read that section because it does give you a history of how it came to be and and basically how it became uh the big boy in the room and i just i found that to be very fascinating um, i may carve that out and do a separate podcast on that because i think it's really important for us to understand the business side of the carriers and i think that helps us all be good um good stewards in this whole arrangement of being a participating provider and uh, and doing business with a carrier. So um, on marked page 19, actual page 21, you will see uh, it'll say listing number 74. I know lots of numbers I just threw at you, right? Uh, just highlighted here, Delta Dental Plans Association currently offers three dental plans through the Delta Dental State Insurers. So the Delta Premier, Delta Dental PPO, and the Delta Care USA. Now, um, many of you are saying, wait a second, what about the standalone? What about the plans where um, it's a discount plan, you pay a little bit and you get access to the fee schedule? Um, well, it, it is interesting because that I don't see that listed in here, uh, but I do know that that's a product. And so it may be a product offered by that individual, um, Delta State, and uh, it's just marked as a different product. But uh, it looks to me like the Delta Dental Plans Association, the big one, offers these three and then it's up to the, the states to offer additional versions of these three so just to clarify before we move on delta dental premier traditional fee for service um, there is a lower um, fee schedule but it is um, it's a low fee schedule than your regular fee for service but it's a pretty decent amount and and throughout all of my lecturing the one of the biggest questions that I get is okay I'm a premier dentist I've got a really good fee schedule I want to bring on my associate what the heck happens to that so and I addressed that in an earlier episode of the podcast but basically you can have premier and preferred in the same office um, there were 
there was a time when it was really 50-50. Some states wouldn't, some states would. But from what I'm hearing on the street, many of the states will allow you to uh, have that happen. And honestly, it just makes sense because you're going to be at different stages in your life. Um, coming out, uh, coming out, a new dentist will not have the leverage to do a premier product. They may not even offer it in that marketplace anymore. Um, so, or in that particular state. So, uh, Delta Dental Premier, of course, is is the one that if you're going to participate with Delta, it is it is an understood that that is the one that you want to be in. Delta Dental PPO is, of course, the mid tier plan, but it is lower than the Premier, and uh, it says the patients have the flexibility to visit any licensed dentist and have lower out-of-pocket costs because it's even a lower fee schedule than that. So typically you will find that most Delta Dental PPO uh, providers uh, don't, they, they don't see patients from the premier. They, they are pretty busy with the Delta PPOs. Um, so that's a pretty big uh, network. Now they're saying Delta Dental Premier is, is Delta Dental's largest dentist network, um, but I, I am pretty confident in telling you that uh, many of the dental pain that I'm hearing from carriers is from the preferred um, level. And so although Premier may be the biggest, I have a funny feeling that those are all legacy doctors that as they age and as they sell practices and move out, a private practice, that Delta Premier number is going to drop pretty well. Okay, so the third one is Delta Care USA. Um, that's a prepaid plan that features uh, set co-payments, no annual deductibles, and no maximums for covered benefits. So, so it is. Um, it's a great plan to have if you if you feel like administering it, and the fee schedules are really good. Um, it, it's pretty. I mean, it gives you no no maximums, no no deductibles. Um, it is a much lower fee schedule that you'll have to deal with. And in many states, a patient has to select that primary care dentist from the Delta Care USA network. So it's, it's not only a different product, it has its own more restrictive network. And so um, you're going to have to make sure if you participate with Delta Care USA, that's a whole different ball of wax. So um, I think it's very interesting, or I think it's very good for you to know exactly what the plans are that are being offered under Delta. Okay, so let's move on here. And I, one other tidbit here I found, and you'll see it highlighted. As of January in 2019, it's estimated that Delta Dental state insurers um, have about 78 million dental patients that they are insuring. It is, as they quoted here, the most extensive dental network offering the widest selection of dentists nationwide with 78 million dental patients. That's a pretty big chunk of the patient database too. So uh, pretty, pretty interesting numbers to look at. Okay, so let's move forward to, it, it goes over, and the next section's interesting. I didn't highlight any, but I really, I, I liked reading it. And I think if you're kind of a beginner to the dental world, I would read that part. It kind of goes over what a Delta Dental provider is and what it's, um, obligations are and, and that sort of thing. So um, when you get to printed page 21 and um, actual page 23, I did highlight um, some of the re uh, requirements of Delta Dental uh, provider agreements because um, sometimes I think we forget the basics of these contracts. And I'll tell you, um, I'll, I'll just say this here. So there are times when I, I deal with doctors and, and administrators and they're like, okay, well, why can't I do this and why can't I do that? And it is really not much more complicated than me saying to them, 
in your contract, it probably tells you you can't do that. And it, you know, for the, the ones who do call me back to, to follow up, it is usually that there are, um, it is spelled out in the contract, which is why I want it. I want to make clear from here on out. Um, if you are considering signing up with a, a plan, it may be a good plan for you, but I want you to do your due diligence and uh, get that contract looked at. Make sure you know what you're signing. If you're an ADA member, if you're a specialty member as well, many of the specialty associations have this service as well. But the ADA offers a contract analysis service. It's tripartite. You go up through your system or through your state dental society, but they look at the contract. Um, the time for them to look at that contract is before you sign it. Obviously, that's when you have the leverage. And so they're going to be, uh, they're not, they're going to take a, a, we're not telling you what to do stance. They'll give you the pros and cons of all of the different contract um, clauses. And I think it's very, very valuable reading. So here's the requirements that Delta Dental has for their providers. So it charges, we charge Delta Dental patients the amounts established by um, the Delta Dental state insurer. So we agree to their fee schedule, right? And that we cannot increase or decrease its fees for Delta Dental insurance patients. That's easy peasy. Um, accept an agreed upon schedule of rates and co-payments for goods and services provided to the Delta Dental insurance. Okay, that's, that's easy peasy as well. Um, third one is submits to audits by auditors. And that is, uh, that shouldn't be a surprise. Pretty much every contract has that. However, <coughs> word on the street and what I'm hearing is that audits are again on the rise, um, really on the rise. And uh, 2019, uh, I don't, I don't want to call it a record year because I can't support that, um, but I would put some serious money in Vegas down on it. So uh, it has been a very audit heavy year. Okay, not just with Delta, just, uh, just in general. Okay, and then the next one is conform their operations to a manual that is written and maintained by the Delta Dental Plans Associations and then enforced by the Delta Dental State insurers. And, and what I take that to mean is, yes, there's an overarching manual, and then it's going to be enforced by the state insurers. Each state may have its own clauses, but it's not going to be radically different from the overarching um, Delta Dental Plans Association manual. So that's a point, let me just stop here and point out, you as our participating dentist, you have signed the contract and you have the right to look at the operations manual that is attached to your contract. Now, these manuals are not little, little manuals there. They can be the biggest I've seen is about 160 pages. Um, and you're thinking, what would, what would be 160 pages? Well, it's 160 pages because they go through almost all of the dental codes and they tell you what the different clauses are that are attached to it. It gives you the, um, when you should file this and when you should do secondary and when you should do this. And it is very, very valuable reading. And, um, you know, just quite frankly, um, I think many of the questions that uh, myself and other other consulting colleagues and speakers get um, is usually found in that um, in that operations manual. And I just wish I, I would love to ha make it required reading um, for many of the people out there. When I was when I was consulting, I, I'm not again I'm not consulting individually anymore. Um, you know, doctor to doctor, I I would have his homework that they pick out, they pick up that manual, they were in charge of finding it and downloading it and reading it. And we would discuss different things in it. And I never, ever have a doc had a doctor tell me that that was a waste of time. Quite the contrary. I've had nothing but praise from doctors saying I had no idea this was out there. Why didn't they give this to me before I signed the contract? 
I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. And I know in many states, or I'm sorry, in many carriers cases, they do give you that operations manual so that you know what you're getting into. But I, just judging from the comments back to me, many dentists are completely unaware that this operations manual exists. And you can find that from your provider relations department, or if you have a provider portal on your on the website, log in and see if you can get a copy of it. It will be, it's not going to be a 15 or 20 page document. It is going to be a serious document. Um, check with your insurance coordinator, office manager, if, you, if you're a dentist, because chances are he or she may already have a copy of that. And they probably have it if they've taken any of my classes, because I do talk about it. Okay. And then uh, last one is accept and treat patients from outside the territory of the Delta Dental State Insurer with which the dentist has contracted. And so we talked about that with the example of the Illinois family that came to visit in DC and you know what would happen if they ghosted after their claim was denied for some reason and we weren't able to find them. So it, uh, it's, a, it's an actual, uh, it's a little bit more of an administrative hassle. Okay, so, and then number 81 on that same page, interesting here, as outlined in more detail, the Delta Dental providers, including the named plaintiff in this proceeding, are routinely required to accept a discount of as much as 35% or more on market rates from the Delta Dental state insurers when requesting reimbursements for goods and services that they provide to patients. So let's talk about that for a second because of the discount of as much as 35%, that rings true to me. Um, and in fact, I in some of the more egregious plans, and I'll just say it, it is egregious, and some of the more egregious plans that are out there, not Delta ones, but other ones, um, I have seen up to 40%, I mean, miserable, miserable fee schedules that I'm not even sure what doctors are doing when they accept it. 35% is a big cut. 35% is a huge, huge cut. Look at your labor, your overhead, look at your uh, cost of doing business, and then take a look at uh, chopping 35% off of your revenue um, because that's how much that they're going to take. And if you're in a state like Hawaii, for example, where Delta Dental is 100% uh, market penetration, so it was close to 100% for Hawaii. Let's let's talk about Vermont. Vermont was definitely 100% uh, market penetration. So you have um, no other insurers and carrier agreements to kind of bolster that. You probably don't have a lot of fee-for-service to bolster that. So you really are truly looking at 35%, according to the suit, just knocked off of your your fees right there. And that's that's hard. That's really hard to make it, uh, especially I feel for the new grads out there. Um, if you're a new grad and trying to open up something and, and you know, you're thinking you're going to make at least $1,000 a crown at least to get started and then you realize it's maybe 600 or 700, um, I am, I'm stunned by some of the crown pricing um, that I see out there, but I'm also more stunned that people seem to be okay with taking very low fees on um, radiographs and preventive uh, services, we as an industry do a heck of a lot more of those. And for some reason, we're focused on really high cosmetic rates. Um, we should be looking at having really competitive preventive and diagnostic rates because the status, the, the stats show, uh, the ADA's Health Policy Institute shows we do a majority of diagnostic and preventive services, not restorative. And so we need to focus on that. Okay, so let's keep on going. Um, it, if you look down at the next page here, I, I highlighted that it is a take it or leave it reimbursement rate discount um, that is imposed upon the providers because of the agreement. Um, and it's an unavoidable cost of doing business with Delta Dental. And so because of this monopsony control, 
the artificially low reimbursement rates that the Delta providers are forced to accept under the Delta plans are preferable from the provider's point of view to the alternative of refusing to accept Delta insurance at all. So let me restate that. Rather than not taking Delta insurance, they will take it with an artificially low reimbursement rate. They are feeling forced to take it, allegedly. They are feeling forced to take it because the alternative is not taking it, which means no patients are going to come to you, especially if you have a if you're in Vermont where it's 100% market share. Um, maybe you don't have a lot of fee-for-service patients, right? There's still 100% market share means they have 100% market share of the carriers in there. That doesn't mean 100% of the patients, right? So there's still probably going to be a ton of fee-for-service patients, right? So ones that may not even have insurance, they're just strictly fee-for-service. Um, maybe they're part of your membership plan, whatever it is. Um, there's still always going to be people out there that are going to pay your full fee but you as a provider you're really nervous with not being a delta provider um, if you're in a very saturated market and that's definitely the number one um, thing that i hear when i when doctors are coming to me and saying help me figure out can i survive going in network going out of network whatever um, and then the other piece of the pie um, is that i'm sorry piece of the puzzle I'm mixing up my pies. Maybe I'm hungry. I'm not sure. Um, the other piece of the puzzle is that uh, many times the assignment of benefits, although we market that the assignment of benefits comes to us, it does not actually come to us. And what that means for some of my newer people is that we mark that on the claim form that the check is supposed to come to us because the patient has assigned benefits to our office. And, and when you're in network, that pretty much takes care of itself. But it is known, um, it is pretty understood amongst many of my audience members that when you go out of network, and there's some Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shields that are like this, when you go out of network with many of the Deltas, uh, the check does not make it to your office um, is what I've heard and it's what this suit is alleging. My personal experience is that that has been the case um, with several Delta states. And so I can't track um, each state because I have not done that in every state. But my personal experience is, yes, that has happened to me where they weren't able to send the check, even though it was clearly marked that assignment of benefits were supposed to come to us. And in fact, there are independent of this this document that I'm giving you, um, there are states who are working on legislation of assignment of benefits, AOB benefits, um, AOB legislature. So keep an, that's why it's important to be involved um, with your uh, with your legislature, because if you can help push these bills through it's really great so there are some states that have the the AOB uh, bills that are, are being pushed through and that would mean that if the patient actually assigns benefits then that that should be the law of the land um, not the carriers processing policy so I hope that made made sense to you okay so and it, it, they allege here um, that there is a Hobson's choice and so I wanted to clarify with you because some of you were like, what's this Hobson's choice thing? Um, basically, Hobson's choice is, is you have a choice of this or nothing at all. It's basically, it's, 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 you really don't have a choice. So Hobson's choice is not really a choice. Um, that's really the best way. Um, when I was in school, that's the best way I remembered it was, uh, I remember a professor saying Hobson's choice is BS. And then that was pretty funny. And I always remembered that. So um, it just doesn't make sense. And it's not very helpful to the person who is in the unfortunate position of having to make a Hobson's choice. So if you see that term, don't be, don't be nervous. It just means not a great situation. It means rock in a hard place, pretty much. So, 
Okay, and so uh, if you go down to uh, printed page, actual page 23, and then uh, printed page 25, you'll see that there's a chart of market share um, of all the deltas across the states. I thought that was pretty interesting. And then they, then the next bunch of pages is going through all of the different states again and showing all of those percentages again, which I kind of gave you some random numbers from before. Um, the, again, the class period for this is, is 2013 and 2017. That's the time period that this lawsuit um, has in the documentation. And so those market share figures um, include that. Now, hidden here in the fine, not fine print, because there's not really fine print here, but hidden here away in a, in a little bitty clause was something that blew me away. I had to reread this a couple times, and I honestly wish that this was... Um, that this was higher up in the in the document or maybe even uh, just a big bullet point. I, 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 I'm not sure why uh, the legal team did not um, did not include this here. So uh, uh, so it is actual page 30, printed page 30, actual page 32. I'm sorry, printed page 30 numbered page 30, printed page 32, um, number 136 is highlighted there. These market share figures, so remember all those 100%, 50%, 19% that I shared with you, these market share figures are conservative because they do not include revenue derived by defendants through their administration of self-funded ERISA plans and for publicly insured programs such as Medicare Advantage and Medicaid. Okay, Medicare Advantage and Medicaid, small percentage, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not going to be the big blockbuster number that you think it's going to be, so I'm not too worried about that. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before this, I went over the difference between self-funded and fully funded plans, and then you already know that, that a big number, you know, just over half of the plans sold in the marketplace are self-funded plans. So if these market share figures are conservative because they don't include those self-funded plans, then the numbers are actually bigger. The market share numbers are bigger. And so I, I don't know why that's not higher because I was already blown away by thinking, you know, that Virginia is at 78%. So now I'm t thinking to myself, okay, so it's not really 78%. That's just 78% of, of Delta's uh, fully funded plans. Um, what about the other part of it? So that's that's big. That's big. And I just want you to think about that. That's really big. I'm, I'm just, again, a little befuddled why that isn't more front and center. Um, okay, so let's go into factual allegations. I, I, I love how they put this. This is kind of no nonsense here. Um, and that is uh, print, uh, I'm sorry, numbered page 31, uh, printed page 33. Um, Delta Dental are engaged in unlawful market allocation conspiracy. Okay, so that's summary of um, what the first conspiracy is. I thought this was interesting. Evidence of the market allocation conspiracy exists in the Delta Dental state insurers annual statements to the insurance departners departments um, responsible for uh, the the running of the insurance in each of the states these um, market Alice these uh, statements show that their the revenue in each state is obtained exclusively from within that single state and that's what I was saying earlier they don't cross state lines which in and of itself means that there's not competition so that is very very interesting to me that they were able to look at the statements and find that and actually that that number was, so easily found that 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 information was so easily found um really good uh looking out there in no case including when the market for dental insurance could reasonably be expected to extend to dental plan sponsors and members located across state lines 
In no case did a Delta Dental Estate insurer report any income from outside of its allocated territory. So basically, again, they stay within their turfs, which is what uh, the market allocation conspiracy has to do with. And, and they say that it's a deliberate allocation of the territories, meaning it's a from the top down decision that they're going to operate that way. That's alleging that. And that is uh, that's one of the cruxes of the, uh, the lawsuit. OK, so the next one states uh, there. I'm sorry, the next uh, underline. And this is, again, in the absence of if that were not the case, there would be much more competition across state lines and uh, the, that there would just be a, a reduction in premiums as well, because that happens with competition. So um, I was, uh, again, really blown away um, by that because I just had not thought about it in those terms. And it makes total sense, especially in the light of having zero revenue from out-of-state uh, products. That's, um, I mean, it's pretty hard to disprove that if the numbers are right there on the statement. Okay, uh, let's go forward here. Okay, uh, and again, yes, it would bring down uh, premiums, and so you'll you can read through more of the highlighted stuff there. The second conspiracy is the price fixing conspiracy, and it is uh, they allege that it is a uh, collusive agreement, and it is meant to fix artificially low rates for reimbursement, and um, they basically use their dominant market position to fix the artificially low rates. Um, I, I, I don't have much to say about that other than I think um, I, I just, I, I don't see how they disprove that um, Delta comes back against that because it, it the, the fees are, um, some of the fee schedules are, are pretty low. So um, it's gonna be really interesting to see how that, that shakes out. Okay, so, and then uh, basically, you will see here, um, I didn't highlight it, and I'll go back and highlight it here, but California, you know, Delta, California controls approximately 87% of the dental insurance market. Um, it is, dentist in that in that state is, a, is faced with an overwhelming majority of patients who have subscribed to one of the Delta insurance plans. The dentist can either turn away the patient um, or accept the patient, um, but it, it does um, give them if they go to non-participating, they're subject to very low reimbursement rates, and and they mark here that it is a deeply suboptimal choice for the dentist, and that's their terms in the in the paperwork. And I, I thought that was uh, very interesting um, because suboptimal. I just have never used that in describing the situation, but you know it it's may it may work. I'm not sure. Maybe I have to start asking about that. Um, and then it is uh, again they they continue to talk about lower than market reimbursement and this is where um, I get a little bit hung up again this is about the um, suboptimal care part so so we talked about suboptimal choices by the dentist but what this next section says is that uh, these lower the market reimbursements incentivize dentists to provide suboptimal care or even foregoing medically necessary care um, so I have a problem with this just just from a again, not a dentist, not a lawyer, but somebody who's just been in this industry for a long time and loves it. One of the things that we always talk about is that dentists are healthcare providers. We first, right? So we are participating providers. Second, uh, we always present to the patient what the optimal um, course of action is. 
and we give them the options and then it is really it is up to the patient to make decisions for his or her health care we're the ones guiding them in that journey right so i i have a hard time with them saying that many dentists across the country um, routinely provide suboptimal care or just don't provide care um, as a result of being a participating provider. I just have a hard time with that. Um, just personally, I've spoken with so many dentists who struggle with this. They want to provide the best amount of care as possible. Um, but yes, the reimbursement hurts them. And some of them, they turn to creative coding, which really sucks. Um, and we, we definitely have long talks about that. Um, or they decide to go out of network. And, and really, I need you to take a look at that. If you're pressed to provide lower than optimal care, you need to get out of this contract because if you're feeling that and you physically, you, you financially cannot make it happen without cutting corners, um, you're not in a good spot. You're upside down on this and remaining a participating provider may not be the best course of action for you. Um, depending on the plan, it might be a different plan that you need to stay in. Maybe you need to um, increase your new, new patient marketing level, whether it's new patient deltas or new patient just um, out of pocket. You need to do something different because if you're that upside down on your contract and your fee negotiations that you're considering not offering procedures or providing lower care, um, that's on you. That's on us as providers, right? That's on, it's on us. It's not, I can't blame this on the carrier. I, I think, yes, they created a situation in many, in many cases, but if you're going to provide suboptimal care, that's, that's a dentist thing. That's that's not the insurance company standing in your waiting room telling you to do that. That's that's you deciding to do that. And again, if you're in that situation, I understand that's that's a tough situation. Don't get me wrong. I've worked with hundreds, hundreds, maybe even a couple thousand of dentists trying to get them off of plans and trying to get them on good plans, trying to have them figure it out. Um, and somewhere in the middle they need to feel good about it. And, and if you're not feeling good about it, something has to change. Okay, so now I'm on uh, actual page, I'm sorry, printed page 36, um, actual page 38. We have here the price fixing conspiracy here. If that were not the case, and again, this is what would happen if it was not the case, um, the providers would have choice among the dental insurance plans that they could accept from their patients, and they would be in a better position to negotiate with the state insurers. I, I can't argue with that. I think that that makes a lot of sense if that were indeed um, what is happening. Again, all alleged. And then the third, they go on to the next page to the third conspiracy again, which is the unlawful revenue restriction conspiracy. Um, and again, this has to do with selling dental, dental insurance outside of the Delta Dental brand. And they, uh, you won't find Delta Dentals um, offering other brands other than Delta Dental um, and, and, or, and if they have a subsidiary. So um, I, I find that an interesting uh, argument, though, because you won't necessarily find MetLife offering, um, you know, Aetna plans. It just, I find that an interesting argument. I'm going to see how that, that shakes out a little bit. Um, okay, and so let's move on here. It does say that there's a significant restraint on trade because it directly limits the amount of competition and number of competitors. And then um, here it comes on printed page, I'm sorry, uh, numbered page 37, actual page 39. If you get to section four, 
it goes into, this is where I think a lot of us are going to have to take a deep breath before we read all of this. Um, it has earned significant profits from its unlawful conspiracies and funneled them into excessive executive com compensation and capital reserves. So, and they actually go so far as to say defendants have used their ill-gotten gains to build stockpiles of excessive capital reserves. So something you should know is that many of the carriers are required by law, by doing business as a carrier, to have cash reserves, capital reserves, because they need to in the case of a catastrophe or in, in, in the case of if every claim came in and needed to be paid, they would have to do that. So they have to have reserves on that. And what this lawsuit is saying is that there's, there's way more than is there. So, and then it also goes on to list the uh, compensations for several of the Delta uh, plans. Now, um, one of the bigger numbers is Delta Dental of California, which is uh, the, the CEO, uh, Anthony Barth, is a $6 million compensation. I, I think this goes back to 2017. I don't think this is 2019. Uh, but I will look at, oh yeah, this is for 2016, actually, the the IRS form is what they're looking at. Okay, so uh, $6 million, um, interestingly enough, Delaware, which is just a teeny, teeny, teeny piece of uh, of the, the pie there, um, their CEO is uh, seven over $7.5 million um, compared to Delta of California, Delta of, you know, California, obviously, big, big state, six million only for that ceo so somebody has a good contract has a good agent whatever uh maybe has some seniority not sure um many of the the salaries are about at one million two million and i know that that sounds like a lot but honestly it it's not that doesn't really make me bat an eye because ceo levels um ceo pay is pretty up there and and these are true businesses that they're running. I'm not going to begrudge anybody that. What was interesting, though, was Delta of Ohio. Um, Laura Gelada, I believe that's how you say that. Um, her compensation in 2016 was $9 million too, and she was the big earner on this particular chart. Um, I was uh, a little bit surprised that the Ohio Delta um, would would pull those kind of numbers. And so uh, that's uh, good for her. Good for her. Um, okay, so you'll find that in the documentation as well. You'll see that little chart. Um, what's really interesting is that the they point out here on, on numbered page 39 at the bottom, these figures do not represent typical compensation in the nonprofit industry. And that's what I was saying earlier. There's benchmarks to these different industries, and uh, this is not a typical compensation. Okay, so um, the average Delta Dental State insurers CEO compensation across the 31 that reported was about $3 million, whereas the average U.S. not-for-profit CEO compensation during the same time period was about 146000 Okay, so the Delta, according to this document, the Delta Dental State insurer CEO earns more than 20 times on average uh, the amount of the average nonprofit CEO in the U.S. So remember when I said earlier, one million, two million. I'm not going to begrudge that. In an in a for-profit situation, that would not make me bat an eye. Looking at this benchmark for not-for-profit, it is a stark difference. And so I wanted to make sure that you paid attention to that because I, um, it's one of those things that I don't really like reading. Uh, it just, uh, it, it just really bothers me. And then they go on to say, you know, other bonuses and other, uh, benefits that these, that these executives had. Um, and so then they do point out that, uh, there's been 
the a buildup of excessive capital reserves beyond their annual liabilities. The liabilities are what I was talking about in case they had to pay everything out. Um, and there's kind of, uh, it's very interesting. There's no real reason for it. Like, like look at New Jersey. Um, New Jersey has assets of 321 million, okay? But they only needed to have 80 million in the bank. So they, ha- they have a lot of cash that they're sitting on. And so I'm not gonna go through the other states, but if you, what they're saying is that it could, those, those numbers could have been used to do, give us a better fee schedule, right? To give us better compensation as providers offices, um, to perhaps uh, lower the premiums and make the premiums more competitive. You know, maybe, maybe you could see some, some uh, leveling of the marketplace there. Um, it is, it's just having that much in reserves when it's not really called for, um, it does seem a little bit odd. So I, I'm glad they kind of brought that uh, to the forefront. So um, I told you uh, this is going to be a long, uh, dense information. I apologize. I really didn't want to go over an hour, but it looks like we're over an hour. We're almost done though. Um, so they're basically saying that the defendants need to be enjoined. And what that means is that they need to cut it out, right? They need to be told to, to cut it out. And so uh, the anti-competitive agreements, they're asking for those to be enjoined. And they are also um, looking at enjoining them from territorial restrictions. And one other thing on here too is that uh, it, it they're saying that when you have such a huge marketplace penetration that it is almost impossible for a competi- competing carrier to come into the market. And so that's what they're saying and it actually states in here, it creates an unfair barrier to entry for non-Delta Dental branded insurance providers seeking to provide dental insurance within the Delta territories. Um, and, and what that means is that there is not the competition for that would benefit the employer and the, uh, the member. And so that's, that's something that, that needs to be thought of, not just from the provider's point of view, but also down to the, uh, the member and the sponsor or employer's point of view. Um, they're also saying that they are asking for um, the monopsony control of these low rates to be looked into and that they should be enjoined from colluding to set the reimbursement rates offered to the provider. So they're alleging not only are they colluding to set the reimbursement rates, they are asking for that to, uh, to be done with, to, to not happen again. And uh, so that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, if you look at uh, printed page 43, um, actual page 45, um, section 169, I, I underlined and highlighted this part. Um, almost every Delta, Delta Dental state insurer controls about 20% of the market in which it operates and more than half control, more than 50% of the market in which they operate. And of course, some of them are 100%. So if you um, together and on average, Delta Dental insurers control, this is the big one, control 65% of the market for dental insurance in the market across the U.S. And that is from 2017 when this was uh, when this was the, the time period of the lawsuit. So it's probably uh, even more than that. So very, very interesting reading here. And again, if you're an insurance geek like I am, you are uh, going to be all over this. So, and there again, so now I'm on... Uh, uh, marked page 45 and it is a uh, pr- actual page 47 the top of it says absent the market alloc- allocation conspiracy this is the the, the roundup here um, 
absent the market allocation conspiracy, the price fixing conspiracy, and the revenue restriction conspiracy, the state insurers, the Delta state insurers would compete with each other um, in respect of the state, multi-state, national markets. And so that means that they would be able to, to compete against across state lines. And, um, and, and it would, in a way that would naturally produce higher reimbursement rates for the Delta dental providers and lower premiums for Delta insurance plan sponsors. What that means is if they wanted to attract more providers, other providers to their networks, they would offer higher reimbursement rates. And that's, that's how you decide whether or not the plan is working for you. And then it goes into the fact that uh, plaintiffs have suffered injury because of each of these uh, conspiracies. That's that's pretty um, that's pretty much the, the crux of the the lawsuit. And uh, hopefully they would be able to um, change the all these conspiracies here. Um, many of what I have underlined in the next couple pages is what we've already discussed. So I'm not going to continue to go. Uh, doing that. So basically it is um, Delta Dental is, is, is allegedly uh, keeping us from being competitive on the provider front uh, and, and may maybe causing us to be uh, offering lesser quality dentistry. I, again, I have a, I have a real, real problem with that. Um, I'm not, again, not quite sure how they're going to um, show that. So uh, they also point out very interestingly um, on printed, I'm sorry, marked page 47, actual page 49, that the um, that the the reason, let me back up here, that the actions taken by Delta Dental, they allege have kept um, dental dental um, dentist salaries um, low, and what that means is uh, they they looked at. Um, since 2011, they've looked at the fact that household income has been growing and average salary for a physician has been slowly and steadily growing. Average physician salary grew from 200000 to 300000 um, during that time in 2011. And, um, or I'm sorry, from 2011 to 2018. And growth in spending has happened. They've got all the charts here. By contrast, however, and this is on uh, marked page 48, actual page or printed page 50, at the bottom, I'll read this to you. By contrast, dentists on average have seen regular and consistent declines in their earnings. As demonstrated by the following table, both general practitioner and specialist dentists have seen a decline of about 1.5% of their incomes since 2010, despite the broader healthcare trend. And um, I, I don't have any issue with that statement because that's what I'm hearing from many of you out there and they have nice charts to back that up as well. They also nicely point out that in states where the insurers uh, did not have uh, a huge market uh, presence, where they did not have the monopsony, um, in those states you did not see the negative trends in incomes of dentists and of dental practices. So they basically are saying that when you have a state that has a, a Delta presence, you're not gonna see dentist salaries rise and I don't think that's going to be very surprising to very many um, dentists right now and in contrast they point out the U.S. market for cosmetic dentistry has grown and is projected to continue growing in the near future and honestly why would that not translate to an increase in revenue an increase in salary um, where you're going to need to take a look at that in your office and, and I'm also going to need to do some thinking about this because we need to figure out if we need to make some changes um, in how we approach 
cosmetic services or how we approach actually what it is is the buying uh, tendencies of the patient. You know, our patients are different than they were even five years ago. They're very, very different. Buying patterns are different. And so they basically state that the providers have lost earnings because Delta Dental has used its monopsony power to depress dental treatment reimbursement rates as, uh, as indicated in a competitive marketplace. And so then the rest of it is just kind of legal stuff where they say, I do this and I do that. And, uh, we allege this and we allege that. And it, uh, it's just very much what we went over already. So, um, that is really my review of this antitrust lawsuit, um, that the, uh, that it was nice enough to be, uh, the details were nice enough to be released. Kaufman and Kaufman smile design. Um, what they're also asking for in this suit is uh, ongoing periodic reporting on compliance by the defendants, you know, should any action be taken. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. They are asking for uh, awards, attorney's fees, um, interest, and all that kind of stuff. They're asking for a lot of stuff. And what I really like is that they are asking for a trial by jury on all of the issues. So it's not going to be a bench trial. It would be a uh, jury that would be defend- deciding on all of that. Um, and, and that does not work really in the carrier's favor because, uh, you know, insurance carriers tend to have a, a pretty bad rap amongst uh, the average American consumer. So uh, pretty, pretty interesting stuff there. Um, so again, they are, let me just wrap this up. They are conspiring to keep prices lower than market prices. Uh, they, and this is what, this is what the suit alleges. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying they're doing it. It also alleges that they conspire to keep the deltas out of each other's states. And it alleges that patients and employers are harmed because of lower quality dental care. Um, I'm going to be really curious. I'll be following this case. So, you know, hopefully you are going to continue to listen to my podcast. I do a lot of management and insurance um, conversations and, and we have some fun on the podcast as well. I have, I have guests that come on every now and then and uh, we do have a good time. So stay tuned. Uh, keep up with my articles. Keep up with any webinars that I do. Uh, I'm always talking about insurance and how we can make the process better in your office. Um, I want to thank you for hanging in there with me. This was a longer than average podcast, and I know that it was very dense information. Um, Thank you for sharing your time with me and allowing me to tell you a little bit about the Delta Dental antitrust lawsuit. Until the next episode, thanks so much.